Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Tonight I want to speak to you about something that everybody here, everyone that's a part of this service, you all want. And that simple thing that you all want is influence. Everybody wants their voice to be heard. I've never met anyone. You know, I've got three or four grandchildren. And I was FaceTiming them early this week, watched my seven-year-old middle grandchild in that home, you know, kind of saying, Mom, Mom, you know, wanting their voice to be heard. So I know that even though they're seven, they don't have a whole lot of big needs, but they want their voice to be heard. It doesn't matter how old you are or what your background is, whether you're a parent or a child, whether you're a boss or an employee, whether you're a teacher or a student, everybody wants their voice to get heard, don't they? You know, hello, how many people here wish that everybody else on planet Earth would listen to your ideas about what the world ought to be like? Only me. I think about that like there's a a voice of rant in my head that runs a lot of time about the things that are going on in our world. And I go, wow, and ideas and and things that ought to be changed bubble through my head all, uh, all the time. But you know, I know that it's not a matter of having an opinion. Friend of mine used to say, opinions are like armpits. Everyone's got them and most of them stink. Well, I'm not sure about most of them stink. I just know that everyone's got an opinion. And we want to have influence. And certainly every Christian ought to be a person seeking influence. I do not believe in the concept of a Christian who blends into beige, who simply becomes invisible, who goes, ah, well, tut, tut. Too bad, nothing I can do. I believe like Jesus told His disciples in Matthew 5, verse 13 and 14. He said, You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out, treble underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill can't be hidden. And so right now the world There's a lot of heat, maybe not so much light. And so I want to speak to you about being the light of the world and making a difference. And, you know, put aside whatever your favourite thing is right now and start to say right at the beginning of this message, Lord, I would like you to use my influence wherever I am. Now, I'm not in your world and you're not in mine. There are people that I know and that I get to influence and that you don't. But conversely, there are people that you know and people who will listen to you that will never listen to me. I remember years ago being going, I was asked to go and speak. A lady in this church told her son who was the head of the Commonwealth Bank Investment Advisory Group. And uh, she said, you really ought to get my pastor to come and speak. He's brilliant, blah, blah, blah. So I rocked up there and there are all these people up in St. George's Terrace sitting in a big boardroom and they made the mistake of introducing me as Pastor 
Jeff. You know what I've discovered over the years? The moment you say pastor, a whole lot of people, their brain clicks into stereotype mode. They've already decided that you're a boring old whatever who's irrelevant to everything in life. And so I watched the entire room as they said, Pastor Jeff Woodward from Metro Church. I watched the whole room do this. And I'm going, thank you very much. I wish you'd uh, introduced me as a famous former drug runner or something or other. They might have listened, you know. Uh, but it kind of made hard yards. Why? Because that group wasn't really open to my influence, but it was open to someone's. Now, I hope that day I did a good job of helping them and, and speaking to them. I love those kind of spaces, by the way. However, my, my advice now is I go to them and say, please don't tell everyone that I'm a pastor. Tell them that I'm a social entrepreneur. And they go, what's that? And I go, someone who's bringing change to people's lives. However, not that I'm ashamed of being a pastor, but you get my deal. Matthew 12 verse 37 tells us something quite astounding about Jesus. In a world that was used to hierarchy and the pecking order, and everybody knowing who was who in the zoo, it says this about Jesus. Mark, Mark 12, verse 37 says, And the common people, the everyday average person who had turned off religion, they'd already decided that the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders, were so totally disconnected from the real world, they wanted nothing to do with them. And yet it says in this verse that the common people heard Him gladly. And you've got to ask yourself a question. If Jesus could transcend all of those stereotypes, all of the things that made people go, nah, not interested, no, don't care, don't want to hear about God, you keep your religion for yourself, I've already made up my mind. If Jesus could transcend all of that, because it doesn't just say that the common people wanted the miracles He did or that the common people wanted to, to get the help that He offered. It says they heard Him. It was something about what He said that spoke to their life and to their world. So I want to talk tonight about a few lessons from out of the life of Jesus that I hope will help every one of us to go in my workplace, at my uni, at my school, in my community, in my neighbourhood. How can I have influence that will change the world? See, the world is not changed by governments alone because my goodness, there is so much laws already made. But laws haven't made the change to a godly or good society necessarily. I'm glad we make them and I'm glad for our governments. But I know that it's going to take a lot more than that for us to see change come to pass. And in the middle of all that, I say to myself as a pastor, how will the church of Jesus have a voice to the world in this season? 20 years ago this year, we sent a small team, I think it was three or four people, went down to Margaret River and to Dunsborough to be the voice of the church to an area that before that only ever made the news 
because young people fresh uh, in their last year of high school went rampant and all of the wrecking of houses that had been rented. That's the reason why bonds were so high up in the thousands of dollars. Why the police started the whole deal of uh, checkpoints, checking the boot or the trunk of a car because so many young people stashed it full of alcohol to go down there. It was a week of sexual assault and a week of drunkenness and of, of rioting, literally. Um, that's no exaggeration. Every year, they'd send teams of reporters down there to go, let's film these young people at their debaucherous worst. And so that's the way it was. And we sent down, Luke was at four, I think, went down there like that. Nobody wanted us. I remember clearly because I've met the caravan park owner who said, don't come in here, don't want your religion, don't want your Bible bashing, just don't come in and refuse to let us in. And nobody wanted us. There was no welcome mat. The police weren't interested in having us there. But these young people went down there with a passion not to preach, but they went down there with a passion to bring the influence of Christ into that space. They went down there with something called Alan's Red Frog Lollies. How dumb would it be to think that a, a little sweet, a little lolly, a candy, some nations call it. But they'd go down and hand those out. And it turned out after a while that that combined with pancakes at midnight, literally at midnight in caravan parks. And now it's the biggest thing for young people in Western Australia. Over 300,000 people last year were impacted by the ministry of Red Frogs WA. Now there's a team of about 150 people go down. Now it's every caravan park. Uh, they can't wait for us to come. They give us free accommodation in many of the places down there. We have, you know, certificates from the police and everybody else saying thank you. So many emails coming every year. And you go, where did that start? Well, it didn't start with somebody officially opening a door and because we had a title. It started with something a lot smaller than that. So I want to talk to you tonight about wherever you are because maybe you're not the boss at work or maybe you're not the dean of the uni or the whatever. What are those people, the chancellor? Maybe you're none of that. Maybe you're just like, hello, so far down the food chain that you go like, wow, no one's going to listen to me. Well, they will if you develop influence rather than an opinion. Are you with me? I know you are. Here's number one. First thing about Jesus, it's an important one, was he was real. Huh? Jesus, you've got to understand, lived in an oratorical society. What I mean by that, I mean public speaking was the norm. Everyone did it. Now, for us now, it's social media. But in Jesus' day, there wasn't any of that. So nobody did it. But everybody, every street corner had somebody standing up with an opinion. So he lived in a society where public speaking was so common. Public prayers were the normal thing to do. Everybody, that was anybody, would get out 
and charge up their public prayer lingo and give this massive speech. I don't know if any of you have ever heard. Some people, they don't pray, they preach to God. And Lord, as you said in Psalm 90, I was in a church once where this person got up and began to speak like that. And they said, Lord, and as you said in Psalm 92, or was it Psalm 91? Oh, I forget. And uh, went on like that. And you could kind of tell that, you know, it was almost like you felt like holding up a scorecard at the end. Like, you know, that was a slam dunk. That was a 10 out of 10. Or, you know, you know like the dunk comp, it was like that was a 9 out of 10 or that was an 8. Uh, something rather like that. But they had all of that. Debate was common. They had oratory, but Jesus had authority. They had rules, but Jesus spoke about relationship more than rules. They had theories and He spoke truth. But it wasn't just about the areas of Jesus' experience. Do you know that Jesus spoke about marriage, but He was never married? And no one ever said, well, hello, who are you anyway? There's a whole lot of areas that Jesus spoke about, but authority when it comes to having influence is not always about have you been there. There's a whole lot of things. None of us can have experienced everything, but that doesn't stop you having influence. Don't think to yourself, well, no one would listen to me because you know what? I haven't had that kind. I've never been through a mental health issue or I've never been through a cancer or I've never been through a marriage breakdown or I've never had a failed business. The truth is, if you are a person who's real, there's probably nothing I despise quite as much as spiritual cliches. Oh, well, the Lord is testing you. Really? Like, hello? I read a book recently on cliches just because the subject interests me. And it was all about, you know, the development of them because they are such a part of our world. But can I say to you, if you want to have influence, drop the cliche stuff. Jesus was intensely real. Real means there was no pretense. Jesus never got up there and He never asked anyone ever to pretend. So we don't go down when the Red Frogs team goes. We don't go down there saying, guess what, look at us because we know everything. We are so smart. We have it all together. We know Jesus. Watch us. We've got it all. It's not that at all. Rather than that, I think often we go and say, you know what? We're on a journey and you can be on the same journey. And maybe there's levels of brokenness that are not yet repaired in our life. I love the fact that every single one of us, you know, someone said to me the other day, you know, it's not enough to receive grace. You've got to be able to give it. It's not enough. We, we want to sing amazing grace and we want to have grace, but are you capable of giving that to other people in their world and their life? And so you know, it's not about how much experience you have and neither is it about pretending. He never asks you to put on a front to pretend you've got it all together. Jesus was real about everything. Do you know that he had a mother and a brother, or several brothers actually, who thought he was crazy? At one point in Mark's Gospel, it says your mother and your brothers are standing outside ready to take you away because they think you've lost it. Huh? Jesus understood that. His mother comes to him and says they've run out of wine. 
He says, what's that got to do with me? But she's his mum. She says to the servants, whatever he tells you, just do it. Jesus got tired. Jesus got exasperated. Jesus was frustrated. Jesus wept. There is nothing. I'll never forget being at the Walter Hoving Home for Girls in upstate New York. Rhonda and my wife and I had gone across to study with Teen Challenge because at that stage our church in Brisbane, we were a part of, was going to start and did start a drug rehab farm, helping people that were addicted with all kinds of behaviours and stuff. And one of those things we went to there and it was started by Cookie Rodriguez, who together with Nikki Cruz were the central characters of the cross and the switchblade. And uh, Cookie Rodriguez had gone and founded this home, funded by Walter Hoving, who was a jeweller right up the very top of Manhattan. You know, one of the premier jewellers in New York. He left his entire estate to help these girls. And I'll never forget it because they had a choir made up of former drug addicts, former prostitutes, all this stuff. And these girls, to this day, I can sing to you, though I've never heard it anywhere else, I could sing to you the song they sang. As all these girls, about 75 I think there was, all stood up and sang a song that came out of one verse in the book of Hebrews. It says, For we don't have a high priest, who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our weaknesses, but was an, in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And I remember standing there with my own struggles, by the way, at that point, a long way from home. And I remember watching these people sing, I've never forgotten it, never lost the memory of the fact that Jesus was not somebody who came untouched with humanity's brokenness, humanity's sorrow and humanity's pain, but He knew what it was like to live this life with all of the anguish that it somewhat sometimes entails. But in the midst of all that, He was real. Here's the second thing that gave Jesus influence is He spoke with conviction. Conviction is more than a strong opinion. You'll know when you've got conviction by what you are prepared to give up for it. Whenever someone gives me a strong opinion, I ask them what they intend to sacrifice to bring it to pass. Why? Because that's the difference between conviction and having an opinion about something or a preference. Lots of us would prefer the world to be changed. My question is, what will you give up in order for it to be changed? Do you act in accordance with your convictions? When Jesus was presented with a woman caught in adultery, where the law of that time and the culture said, and they said it to Him out loud, they said, she was caught in the very act Moses said she should be stoned. What do you say? And the preacher of grace could have said, this is what the crowd wants. This is what everyone thinks. I'm going to go with the crowd. But the Bible says that he knelt down in the sand and began to write in the dust. When I get to heaven, I reckon there'll be a video of that. I'm going to go watch. 
I'll see God's heavenly YouTube and see what Jesus wrote. Some people have thought that maybe he wrote down the sins of everyone around about. Or maybe it was that he simply wrote down about grace and mercy. We don't know. But he said to everyone around, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. But there was one there without sin who could have picked up the rock. He didn't do that. He wrote in the dust. And one by one, everyone there that was about to condemn moved and slinked off until finally only Jesus and the woman is there alone. And he looked up and he said to her, woman, where are all your accusers? She had no answer. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Oh, come on. You've got to love the grace of God. Oh, I do. Every day of my life, I'm so glad that Jesus is not the, my, my judge. My, he'll judge the earth one day for sure. But right now, we live in a space of absolute grace where God reaches out and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And he says to this woman, you know, and he spoke with conviction. Opinions are, well, they're everywhere. Here's the third thing that gave Jesus influence. He's real. He spoke with conviction. But thirdly, a big one, he gave people hope. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, send me to proclaim captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Who wouldn't want to follow somebody who's about good news? I've met a lot of people that are experts in diagnosis about what's wrong, but they've got no answers for the problem. Do you know if you fall into a pit, Someone telling you how stupid you are for falling into it is really of no help. Isn't that right? You know what I mean? How about walking past somebody going like, yeah, well, you fool, you should have kept your eyes open. You know, like you ever watch somebody walk over the road and they're texting? I watched someone just recently walk over the road, they were texting. Totally headphones on, they're not there. I don't know what they're doing. Well, texting, whatever. You know, lights red, car slams on the brakes, hits the horn, you know, but going up to them and saying, you're an idiot, you could have been killed, probably won't help. Huh? If someone falls into a pit, they don't need your diagnosis of where they are. Well, right now, let me tell you, because the scientist turns up and goes, you have fallen into a depression. You are into a space that's lower than where you are. And obviously there is no way for you to climb out at this point. And so I just, oh, that's terribly sad, you know. They don't need the philosopher going past saying, well, you know what? Obviously, you're a bad person and that's why bad things have happened to you. What they need right then and there is someone who pulls them out of the pit. Isn't that right? I mean, that's the story of the Good Samaritan. Don't give me all your religious jargon. Go help somebody. Amen? Go help somebody. Go do something about it. And Jesus went about giving people hope for the world in which they live. And he's still doing exactly that. Here's number four. Jesus never asked people to do what he wouldn't do himself. Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And Jesus never said that, not realising that there was a cross coming for him fully aware that one day he's going to pick up a cross. 
he's going to take it to a hill called Calvary and they're going to nail the innocent one cruelly to a cross where he will bear in his body and in his soul the sins of all humanity uh, for that time from then on so that you and I can walk with God. God is not a travel agent. He's a tour guide. You know, my wife and I were supposed to be next week on a cruise. You know, we'd kind of figured that we were going to go on this beautiful cruise and we're going from Prague to Budapest. And I've never been to either of those places, but it was going to be way cool. It's going to be great on this beautiful barge ship cruise thing. And, you know, you know, dining at the captain's table and stopping every day and seeing another castle, another stone church. That's why there's no rocks left anywhere through most of Europe because they chopped them all up to build the castles and the churches, the cathedrals. And we were supposed to be there for that, you know. And I remember going to the travel agent. We sat in the office. They hand us the brochures. And then they tell us about where we ought to go. I always ask them, have you ever been there? No, I haven't. And straight away I go, you know, that's the way a lot of people are in life. They're travel agents. Anybody got a travel agent in your world? Somebody who's always telling you where to go? Hello. You know what I'm saying? What I want is not a travel agent. I want a tour guide. I want someone who goes, this is where you should go and check this out. And by the way, when you're there, look at this. Huh? It's spectacular. Go and check that out. Jesus wasn't a travel agent. He's a tour guide. Here's the fifth thing, the last thing, was that Jesus had influence because he revealed God to people. I've been a long time a pastor now. I hate to tell you how long, but it's a long time. And I've travelled around most of the world so many times and been to so many different cultures and so many backgrounds. You know what I've discovered? No matter where you are, people are looking for God. I'll never forget listening to, or reading rather, it was in the Australian newspaper, Philip Adams, who at the time was the president of the Australian Skeptic Society, an avowed and public atheist. And he wrote in this opinion piece in the Australian newspaper. He said, if you can stand out under a starry sky and gaze at the heavens and the canopy of light and not have a heart that's filled with wonder, then I wonder if you are truly human. And I thought about that because I thought that's got nothing to do with biology. It's got nothing to do with DNA. It's got nothing to do with evolution. It's something of the spirit. It's something that every one of us are created with a why inside of us. Everybody has it. You know, I've spoken to people that said, I don't believe. And I go, that's cool. Let me talk to you though about your why. And I've discovered every single person I've ever met has got a, a wonder about their why. Why, is, why am I here? What's life about? And that's put there by God inside of you. The scripture says it this way. He's written eternity in our hearts. There's something inside of us that knows there's got to be more than this. There's something greater than this. Everybody wonders about God. What's he like? And Jesus never turned up and said this. I have come to show you 
a way. I could take you to a lot of religious leaders and you'd know their names. And they stood and this was their declaration. I've come to show you a way. Here's a sevenfold path. Here's six ways. Here's what you've got to do. Jesus never said, I've come to show you a way. John 14 verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 14 verse 10, Jesus said to him, to Philip, one of the disciples, have I been with you so long and yet you haven't known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. What a crazy statement to make. You know what? Jesus is saying, I'm God and I'm the revelation of what God's like. If you want to know what God's like, read this and discover what Jesus did. The Bible says that He was full of mercy and full of grace and truth. I don't know what your life is like. I do know this, that if you will do those five things, if you will decide, you know what? I'm just going to be real. Why don't you go up to that person at work instead of, you know, giving them all your latest theory? Why don't you go up there and just ask them how they are? How's your family? How's your mom? I've discovered people everywhere. I talk to people all the time that don't know I'm a pastor. I don't tell them. I don't wear a badge. I don't have fish badges on my collar. I've got neighbors that keep asking me, How's church? Because I never told them for months on end. And then one day they asked me what I did. And so I told them. The conversation usually changes a little bit. First, they're a bit like, oh no, what have I been saying? Then they start finding out you're just as normal as everyone else. But then they want to ask you, how's it going? What's it like? Some of you that are part of Metro Church Online, you're online because you want to check it out. I get that. Good on you. I hope what you hear is people that are being real about their walk with God. This is not a church for the people that have made it or have arrived. Most of us here will freely admit there's parts of us that are still needing attention that aren't the way they ought to be. But we thank God there was a moment where we said yes to Jesus. I pray tonight you will say yes to Him that your life will start to be one where you can be honest about who you are and where you are. Conviction will start to be the way you live your life. You become a bearer of hope. You start living an example so that other people go, you know what, they not only talk the talk, they walk the walk. You become somebody that reveals God to people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for moments like this. I know, Lord, that there are people in Metro Church online and maybe even the building tonight who say, you know, Lord, I've never really thought about you much. But right now I'm aware that you're there and that you want me to follow you. Lord, would you help those people in their yes tonight? A simple yes to you is what opens the door to the new life you have for each one of us. I pray for young people and older people that are struggling in their minds. There are things that they feel that are so pressuring in their life and they don't tell anyone about it because they don't want anyone to think they haven't got it together. But Lord, you know them right now and you're speaking to them. 
that if they will bring that part of their life to you, their brokenness to you, you'll start healing them. You'll bring strength where there's only been weakness. That person that's afraid to let anyone really discover how they're struggling, would you help them tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name? The people, Lord, is really worried about that loved one. They just, just don't know what to do and how to help. They feel they haven't got the words that'll make a difference. Would you give them wisdom? Lord, we give you our yes tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, in a minute, Pastor Bruce is here and there's opportunity for you to get prayer for whatever needs are in your life. But I want to finish by saying, if you want to say yes to Jesus, it's this easy. Simply go, if you're in Australia, go to 0488 The number's up there on the screen for you. 0488 And you say your yes. Just why yes. The next morning after you do that, people did it this morning, people do it every week. The next morning you'll get delivered to your phone from us, not from a third party, it's from us. You'll get a scripture just for you and a prayer a different one every day for 30 days. It's to help you get started in knowing Jesus and following Him. Then there's all these little um, like mini-series that follow that. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get it by email, go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. We don't spam you. We're not going to write and ask you for stuff. We just want to give you something that'll help you to follow Jesus. I pray you will. I really do. It's be the greatest adventure of your entire life. Amen. God bless you.